Blog Talk Radio. Tune in to the hottest sports talk show. I've never had it so good sports radio. Join us weekdays at 7 p.m. Stories about players and coaches of all levels. We make it easy to talk sports. Welcome in to Never Had It So Good Sports Talk Radio. We apologize. We ran over with our first half hour there with head football coach from Morehouse College, Coach Gerard Wilcher. Very good interview there and just getting to know him. Um, camp season is coming up, and we wanted to ask him about that and some other things to just get to broadcast and just to expose um, our listeners to the new head football coach at Morehouse College. Duck, how are you, sir? Doing well, Princess. I, I'm with you. It was uh, a great interview with uh, Coach Witcher because I, I was uh, impressed. I, I was also a little bit shocked that uh, him and Dion was running a camp together. Yeah, yeah. And and you know, I wanted to know how the collaboration came about, and it was it's good to hear him say, well, you know, some of my staff know some on his staff, and they were able to get that to work, and I think it's a win-win for both. Um, he and Deion Sanders, of course, Deion Sanders playing um, NFL football in, of course, in Atlanta and also playing for the Braves in Atlanta. So he gets to come back home in his own right, and they're collaborating. That's going to be neat, Ducky. You need to go down there with your stopwatch. Uh, I'm telling you, precious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's get the guys in here. I'm not sure if the tall, light-skinned brother, his mic is going to work. I'll check it out, Duck, but I'm not sure it's going to work. <laughs> 5928, give us your name, sir. Hello, Will Harris. How's everybody doing tonight? Good, Will. Doing good. All right. Tony Coleman, how are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, Princess. How you feel tonight? I'm doing hey, pretty good. Hey. Thank you for asking. <laughs> All right. Tommy Pritchett, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Good evening, everyone. What's up, homeboy? How All you right. doing, Dave? All right. Good. <laughs> hey, Tisdale, how are you? Did she... Whoa, I love that introduction. <laughs> that was full of energy. <laughs> Lord. <laughs> I thought she saved. I thought she thought I was Ricky Porter, and I was gonna get it, but obviously I did not. Hey, Larry. But it is. I am happy to be. I am happy to be here with my sister. Happy to have you too. You know. You know. I'm just happy playing around. Oh yeah, I <laughs> for know. sure. Until, right, until that, the season um, starts. Yeah, well, yeah, and until you talk about the Cowboys again, like you did last <laughs> night, and then I'll be Petty Princess again. Uh, <laughs> but eventually I get over it. <laughs> hey, hey, Princess, this, this first question I'm going to ask, I know you always like for the guys to do that thing, but I want you to start at all fours. Uh, my, my first question, which is not sent out to everybody, is how do you feel about uh, Brooks? Uh, Memphis not bringing him back, not going to resign him. Duck, I, I was very, I was shocked by that. Now, of course, he, you know, had some things to say, and, uh, and as Tommy Pritchett said, and everybody else, he poked the bear. But 
the Memphis Grizzly said that he we have not he does not have the option of returning and under any circumstances there be an option to return. That is some killer stuff right there. Somebody's mad at someone. And obviously they're disappointed in him, but there's gotta be something that has happened in that locker room front office that has brought all of this this about. Um, Dylan Brooks is going to have to, you know, reflect, do some soul searching, and, you know, his agent is going to have some work to do to repair whatever it is in, in order for him to get on another team because he's an NBA talent. But um, he's an example. If there was a description or, you know, term in the Western Dictionary, shut your mouth. Dylan Brooks is, is the example for that, for sure. Okay, yeah. Tommy, your thoughts, uh, a little bit too much. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't understand why they, they went out. Either you bring somebody back or you don't. I, to me, they gave out a little bit uh, too much uh, TMI. Well, you know, he didn't produce. You know, he, he didn't produce. Um, evidently, they didn't um, like the way he handled himself on the court, <clears throat> and you know that that that, that can reflect back in the dressing room. They got some problems down there, and the problem is that you, you know, they're young. I guess he can just chalk this up as a learning experience. I guarantee you, he will not do what, the things that he did if he if he hooks up with another team. He will not. Uh, approach the game the way he approached it throughout the playoffs. Okay. I agree with uh, everything the Prince has said. Prince has said it all. Okay. Uh, Tony Coleman. Uh, can you, I just interrupt yeah, here, too? Yeah. Just, yeah, Brooks ahead. had the most technicals in the NBA this year. Most He exceeded um, Draymond Green. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> There's got to be, and we know Draymond Green, you know, I've, I've used that term by um, John Cheney, about closer to Temple, emotionally drunk. But Dylan Brooks, you know, has got to, I don't know, really um, refine who he is in, in the NBA. But the most technicals in the NBA this year. Sorry about that, Tony Coleman. Oh, that's perfectly okay. And, um, I mean, for the most part, Princess has summed this thing up in every regard, in every angle. Um, and just to add a little bit to that is that he brought a lot of this on himself. And it was a valuable lesson, I, I believe, he, he's he's learned, at least I hope he, he you know, he's learned his lesson. Um, when you start talking trash, when you're talking to the face of the league, you got you to gotta know who to talk trash to and, and who not to talk trash to and not be able to back it up. You can't be... This guy's the face of the league, um, and, and you know, and your game didn't prove itself. And then the other thing is, uh, he negated the media after they lost on like two occasions. I think he was fined, I think like twenty five thousand dollars. And uh, those uh, league officials, the commissioners, they're really big on that. They don't like when you don't speak to media. You're that's a part of your contract for you to speak to the media, whether you lose or win. Um, and uh, so that was a, another thing against him. And then when he finally uh, decided to talk to the media, he still was like, uh, you know, this is who I am. This is the way I'm going to be. I'm not going to change. And 
you know, I just got to work on my shot. And, you know, it was almost like he was just like, it was really no big deal um, that he could just keep carrying on doing what he was doing. And they, they, you know, they said, look, we're sending a message to you that, you know, you're not going to be able to do that. And to Princess's point, guy has, he's led the league, you know, in all those technical fouls and, you know, all these different, um, you know, situations. The thing with Draymond is at least they went, they, they've been winning championships. You know what I mean? So he, he hasn't done anything. He hasn't proven himself, you know, in the league to get away with doing anything like that. So they said, look, we're going to wipe our hands clean of you. And uh, somebody will pick him up, but it just won't be uh, in Memphis. Okay. Uh, let me jump to Will. Will, uh, behavior outmanned his uh, performance. I think that's uh, exactly what it is. I mean, we've seen guys like him in the past that uh, talk a lot, like Patrick Beverly, uh, Rodman was kind of outgoing. Just throughout the years, we've seen guys like that that are outgoing, talk a lot. But I think the difference with them is they actually do their jobs. You know, they rebound well. I mean, Draymond is another good example. He rebounds well. He makes plays when he needs to. He's a good teammate. Um, He doesn't hide from the media afterwards. He's He's not a distraction to the locker room. He gets his technicals, but, you know, it's just a result of hard play and uh, playing passionate. Dylan Brooks, I mean, he's shooting, what, 20% from the three-point line, not contributing much on defense as well, just getting manhandled throughout the series on that end of the ball too. So the distraction he brings to the table just doesn't match his level of performance. But he's I mean, still a young player. I think he'll get another opportunity and hopefully learn from this. Okay, uh like, let's sum up this Dylan Brooks deal because uh, I I think, you know, he was talking and was hoping that he could perform like he was talking, but it didn't quite work out like that. And, and you hear the, Tony talk about yeah. the face of the NBA, uh, who he was dealing yeah. with. So your thoughts? Listen, I want to take a different approach, and I agree with everything everybody said. Uh, but I think this even goes much deeper than that. You know, we're talking about him leading the league. Uh, he was tied with Draymond this year. But if you go back to last year, this is this is relatively new for him. Uh, he was down around 20th, and there was some Tatum and Chris Paul, Devin Booker. There were a lot of players that have good images that had more technicals than him. Um, I think this is all tied into uh, the suspension of Morant and what's happening in that locker room. And I know we've talked about this before. There is, there is something in that locker room that's somewhat thuggish. And, again, I'm not sure that, that Ja was that type of a player prior to this season, and it really took off. Um, it cost, you know, Ja some time off. And I'm certain that after he opened his mouth, uh, you know, to, to poke the bear, that was probably the final straw, and then not being able to back it up. And I think I mentioned this before. I watched his face at that last game, and it was fear. I I was certain that he couldn't hit a shot. So he, you know, he he posted a check that his behind could not cash. It cost the locker room. You know, they have that tough street ball mentality, and Ja is not that type of player in the league. We already know this. The league does not allow that. So I think there was going to be some separation. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if he didn't poke the bear and, you know, Ja gets suspended. 
I think he could probably still have these technicals and everything would have been okay. I just think this goes much deeper and the NBA is protecting their image. Um, and that's what Ja and he needed to be separated. I think he lands somewhere. You know, I think he's, you know, he's a decent talent. He could land somewhere, but he will come back and have to reinvent himself. Okay. Uh, I want to stay right with you, Larry, because I want to talk about this uh, Phoenix and Denver matchup, man. At home, Denver, you know, it's just, I mean, they they look like a different beast. So, yeah, what you, what you, what are you thinking? Man, they they got some ballers. They just they can play. I'm not. And again, I think Princess mentioned this. Anywhere Durant goes, I'm not a fan, a fan of. Um, I'm you know we're of a different age, and the way teams are constructed doesn't always you know necessarily you know, me. But to 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 watch that team just be so efficient. Um, and, you know, I understand Chris Paul gets hurt, but Durant needs to be able to take over a game, and we've not seen that from him. You know, if you're going to be the savior, you need to be able to do what uh, some of the others have done. Um, you know, James Harden. I think Tim's on the phone, and, and I'm not a fan. I'm a Philly fan, but to see James Harden do what he did without Embiid was impressive. I thought that Durant should have the ability, skills-wise, to take over a game, and I have always questioned, and many have, um, that he does not drive the ball. And it is evident that Chris is older, Chris Paul is a little older, and probably hoping to defer to him to be able to take over so that he could, you know, fill in a role similar to what LeBron does sometimes, where LeBron facilitates. Um, So it is not a surprise to me. Um, it's unfortunate, but I think their time has come and gone uh, at Phoenix because, uh, you know, Chris Paul might be injured uh, with his groin. I'm not sure uh, to, to what degree, but, um, yeah, not a huge fan, but this is expected. Uh, he does not drive the bus. Tony Coleman, Phoenix in uh, Denver. A, um, a very good uh, very good matchup. Uh, unfortunately, Phoenix has not stepped up to the plate in these first two games in Denver. Hopefully they can make some adjustments and, and come out and play a better game three. Um, I do agree a little bit about Durant having to be able to step up more. One thing about uh, the playoffs in the NBA, there's a certain physicality that has to happen in order for you to win ball games when you start matching up against superior elite talent like the matchups that we're that we're watching now in this in this uh, second round. Uh, Denver, they've been stellar all year. Smooth, they know each other. Uh, they play well through the Joker, and they've been very, very consistent. And, and then, then they're playing at home. Uh, also, they had an opportunity to watch the uh, first round series where, you know, Milwaukee Bucks and some of the other teams that were higher seeds, you know, just not coming out ready to go. Look, you know, they had a conversation, I'm sure, saying, look, man, we, we can't come out here and not be ready to go. we got to be mentally ready, and I think that's what they've done. Um, one thing you got to remember also is, you know, you lose Chris Paul middle of the third quarter in the second half. That's, that's, that's a huge loss. He's the floor general. And another thing that I don't think a lot of people under, realize, too, is that Chris Paul is also like 38 years old, just like LeBron. Then still out there doing it. 
and he is, he is a floor general. He's a is a heck of a leader. Um, the thing that Durant doesn't bring uh, is the physicality part. You have to be able to be uh, a lot more physical. When the games start getting really rough, you know, uh, they can get to him. Um, but you know he can score the ball like no one else. But when those games become physical like that, uh, you got to be able to match the physicality. Um, officiating is a big part of it as well. Okay. So hopefully- uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, so, let me, yeah, let me jump to Tommy because, Tommy, Charles Barkley say uh, Durant doesn't – he's not a, a bus driver. He rides the bus. He done been on a lot of buses. And he do ride buses. (laughs) Yeah, and and you know, and and also Durant doesn't like to get physical. I mean, he doesn't really like to get down and get physical. You know, Denver has been physical. Um, The game last night, um, Denver was very physical uh, with Phoenix. Plus, Phoenix didn't shoot well at the beginning, um, but Denver did what they had to do at home. They won the two games. So the thing is, I want to see how they play at Phoenix. You know, every team that plays at home plays a little bit better. So I'm I'm anxious to see how they do when they get back home. Uh, Plus, Phoenix's second unit, they need to step up in, in the upcoming games because uh, Denver, Denver, I played them. And the big question mark for Phoenix is, will Chris Paul be back? You know, it's hard to shake off the uh, groin injury if it's a groin injury. So it's a it's a big if. If all that happens, we'll see. But you know what? I'm going to stick with the Suns with this one. I'm going to ride them out. Because I don't think Denver will play like the way they're playing away from home. I'm curious to see. Okay, uh, Will, uh, you're surprised Denver is out 2-0? Uh, Phoenix just not playing well. I'm a little bit surprised. I mean, I do think uh, Denver's been the best team in the NBA all season. So, I mean, they're finally starting to get that same level of performance in the playoffs. I mean, Jokic was uh, um, in 39-16-5 and last night. I mean, he's been dominant this series so far. If they can get more out of Jamal Murray and these other supporting cast, they might be able to close this in five or six games. I think the Suns from Chris Paul just, I don't know if he's getting up in there in age or what, but he just can't seem to uh, stay healthy and play this late, play, keep playing this late in the season. I thought Durant, I mean, they need a lot more from him if they're going to um, get this series back to Phoenix 2-2. We can't have him going 2 for 12 from 3 and not being able to perform down the stretch the way he was, but so far, Denver just clearly looks like the better team, and I think they're probably on a good track to close this in five or six games. Okay, I want to stay with you because uh, tonight is, uh, as they're saying, LeBron versus Curry. But we know that's not the matchup. But uh, they're, they're played against each other quite a bit. So what are you, what are you thinking about that? Yeah, it's good to see. I mean, anytime they, those two go uh, – their teams go head-to-head in a playoff environment like this. It's always uh, produced uh, a lot of entertainment. I think this year, uh, I mean, Golden State, I mean, came back from a big Game 7 win uh, coming down from 0-2. I thought that was impressive. Curry put up 50 points. 
with the team, you know, will this team to that win? So, you know, he's playing at a high level right now. Uh, Lakers had a first-round upset against Memphis as well. So, I mean, we get this matchup that we probably didn't expect to see in the second round. Um, I think I'm going to lean towards Golden State. I just think they got a more uh, complete team, defending champions. I think they'll probably win this one in seven. But I think we'll get another entertaining classic series. Okay, I like LeBron, wow. Steph Curry. Oh my goodness! I, yeah, what what a, what a, what a matchup of minds. You know the maturity from both of those superstars. Um, when when you play them, you know they one of them is going to beat you. You know mentally. You know they're so evenly matched. Um, I think it's the supporting cast. Um, and I know Steph took over that last game, but his supporting cast was you know a little off. Um, they're going to probably, you know, have to step up a, a, a little. Um, Clay Thompson probably needs to, to score a little more. And, and it probably – and I'm not even sure that they were off. I think maybe Steph just took over that game. Uh, but if, if you're a, a Laker fan, um, you know what you're going to get out of LeBron. But Anthony Davis and D'Angelo, I think, are, are, are the keys to that. Because I don't think that they have anybody to play uh, Anthony Davis down low. Um, it shouldn't be, although, you know, uh, defensively Wiggins could probably at least give him some, uh, some push on, on, on his height and just his presence. Uh, but skills-wise, uh, Anthony Davis should. I think this is a matchup for the ages. We may not see something like this for a while with, you know, two superstars towards the end of their careers. Um, it could be the end for, for either one of them. Um, this is a classic matchup. The supporting cast is going to have to step up, um, I'm sure, Reeves. But D'Angelo is probably the key to this matchup um, because I do think Clay and some of those others will come through. But D'Angelo needs to step his game up, Anthony being consistent. And, man, if I had to pick one, I think I went with the Lakers. So I'm going to stick with the Lakers uh, pulling this out in seven. Okay. Uh, Tony Coleman. You got you know you got the Lakers and uh, you got uh, my man Snoop Dogg saying today that uh, he loves how Poole is playing. Just keep missing more shots. Your thoughts? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Poole, uh, you know he has he hasn't been consistent uh, enough for the Lakers to really be that team they need to be in the post uh, playoffs. Uh, one thing I'm, you know, I'm going to need for you to do for for me, Dave, uh, before we get off the line tonight, commission it back up and uh, see what we can do about, you know, the time factor over here on the East Coast because these West Coast games, man, <laughs> they come right out and, yeah. and I'm, I'm falling asleep and trying to watch these uh, late ten o'clock, ten thirty games. Yeah. But uh, I'll leave that up to you. Well, to get to uh, yeah, but, but if you want to do something, uh, Tony, uh, do like I do: wake up about five and finish watching the game. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. You're right. The luxury <laughs> streaming. Yep. <laughs> but getting back to the matchup, um, man, it's amazing how everything has played out for the second round. I'm talking about in with all the matchups. This is amazing. Lakers and Warriors going going at each other. Um, you know, this game is going to boil down to who can rebound the ball, control the, the boards, be consistent every game, 
throughout the series, and it's going to have to be a physical a physical series. Um, the officiating is going to determine a lot on how this series is going to go, in my opinion. You've got to be able to play physical when you play against the Warriors because you got the Splash Brothers. you got Steph Curry running around, dribbling through people, shooting 20, 30, 40, 50 feet. Uh, you got Clay doing this thing. You got Poole when he when he gets turned on. Um, and then that opens the thing up in the, on the inside, you know, for, uh, you know, the Looney Tunes, you know, to begin to do his stuff. So you've got to be able to put bodies on these guys and don't allow them just to run around and just shoot freely, you know, get up on the shooter, smack his arm, you know, frustrate him, get it, you know, just irritate him, you know, and then the Lakers, they got to, they, they got to play consistent. I mean, the guys that's coming off the bench, the reserve guys, you know, Hachimura, you know, Beasley, you know, Russell Reed, those guys got to play big. Schroeder, he's got a big assignment because he's got to guard Steph more than likely. Uh, Vanderbilt, he's going to he's going to have to, you know, help uh, control the boards and give Looney some help in there. Um, you can't give uh, the Splash Brothers second opportunity shots. They they going to try to speed the pace up and just you know play transitional ball and just you know, splash it as much as they possibly can, but you can't give them second opportunities. You got to rebound the ball and go right back down at them the same way they're going back at you, and you got to be physical. I'm just I'm just uh, anxious to watch to see how everything goes because this is going to be one heck of a series. And it starts okay. to – yeah. Go ahead, finish, finish your thought on that. Uh, I was just going to say, you know, like, even for the Warriors, their bench, you know, Poole's got to play well. Um, you know, Moody, Kaminga, I would use those guys. You know, Draymond has got to step up and play play smart, not get into any dumb, you know, confrontations, cause any kind of distractions. They got to play together basketball um, because whoever controls the ball, don't turn the ball over and be consistent with a physicality of aggression and confidence is going to win this series. It's going to go six, seven games, six, seven games. Okay. All right. Uh, Tommy, I want to jump to you because uh, you, you heard what Tony was saying, but we saw Vanderbilt uh, guarding the guards in the last series when they played uh, Memphis. Uh, is that a good move for the Lakers? That's Probably the only moves that Lakers can make. You know what? I, I figured that Vanderbilt will start off on Curry. They're going to have a matchup problem. Vanderbilt will probably start off on Curry. D'Lo, he'll have to check Thompson. And uh, Riggins will have to be on LeBron. At D'Lo, Thompson matchup, I don't know about that one. The Lakers doesn't play good defense. They they're not a good defensive team. But the question is Anthony Davis. He should he should take over this series, man. It, they, the the Warriors doesn't have anybody to stop him. Luna can't can't stop Anthony Davis. But we don't know what which Anthony Davis is going to show up tonight. I'm hoping, you know, I'm just hoping that he show up and 
he he sh- it should be a thirty point game for him tonight. But but we'll see. But this this is going to be a, a series of of matchups, and I don't know who the Lakers have to slow down the Warriors. Those guards, man, those guards can shoot. You know, and they don't need much space to put it in. So it's going to be a matchup problem. I, I don't, I, I hate to say this, but I, I think the Warriors will beat them. And I don't know how long the series will go, but I think the Warriors will come out on top. Okay. I want to stay right with you, Tommy, because uh, Jimmy Buckets is injured. So what's going on with the Nets and the Heat? Well, if he's injured, then the Knicks will be able to tie it up because I don't think that the Heat can win without uh, Butler. Uh, I don't know if it's – I think they say Randall might be a game-time decision, even though the Knicks are favored this next game. I think maybe about four points or so. Um, I predict the Heat to win this series, too. But the Knicks, they're surprised. They surprised me. You know, they're having a good time, man. The fans are enjoying it in New York again. So everybody's having fun. But I picked the Heat to take this series. Okay. Well, uh, Larry, we got the, we're got watching uh, the Heat and the Knicks warm up. And I see Randall out there working on a little bit of his yeah. footwork and taking a few jumpers. Uh, your thoughts on the game tonight? And he's, yeah, he's supposed to be playing. Yeah, um, well, I thought this was a seven-game series. I still think it is. Um, Jalen Brunson played horrible, and he's your floor leader. Um, and, and he dictates the pace, uh, and, and they play at a different kind of pace. Um, you know, Mitchell Robinson, you know, guards the rim, you know, really well. You know, Hart fills in. I just think uh, that Brunson needs to dictate the pace of this game, get everybody involved and play. I'm not sure what Buckets is going to look like, but but I'm certain that he'll be out there playing. Um, and anytime he's out there on the floor, you have an opportunity. I picked this game. I, I, I like the Knicks coming back in this game. I think they'll play well at home, and they'll come back and win this game. I think this goes seven. Um, and in seven, um, in the beginning, I may have picked uh, Miami, but I, I think, uh, you know, Jalen and, and that crowd back in New York that hasn't seen a team like this you know, in almost a decade, will rally around them, and Randall will be healthy, um, and, and that they will win this series. So I'm predicting, I'm predicting them to have a bounce back game tonight and win. Okay, I'm, I'm coming to you, Will, because uh, the the Knicks have been going 10, 11 deep, and uh, what you thought with that bench compared to the Heat's bench? I think the the depth has been. One of the strengths of the Heat for um, all those years under Spolster. Um I mean, they're a little thin now with Harrow uh, out, obviously, and then Jimmy Butler will probably miss the night game. So they're going to be even more thinner with depth. So maybe, I think that's an advantage the Knicks probably have tonight. Uh, we'll see how effective Randall is and if Brunson can bounce back. I think tonight overall just a must win for the Knicks, but they can't come, afford to go down 0-2. Uh, back to Miami, where it's a very difficult place to win, um, especially with Jimmy Butler out. I mean, the Heat. I mean, you know, they've been to they've been to a finals with the, this uh, core. They uh, went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year, so it's an experienced team. 
Uh, Lowry's playing well. They've got a lot of veteran leadership that's going to – this will be a good series. I think so, uh, I think it will probably go six or seven, but I'm just leaning towards the heat because of that uh, experience they have. Okay. Uh, a couple of things for you, uh, Tony. Uh, you got Toppin that I – that's a that's a tough deal with uh, Randall coming back, and this young man been playing so well. And also, Bronson, as you know, Kenny Smith and Charles and Shaq and Ernie, they show how they almost dropped in the zone, almost had five people in the paint, so Brunson couldn't penetrate anymore. The adjustments that the Knicks got to make, uh, Tony? Yes. Yes, um, the Heat really um, makes a really good adjustments, man, to throw them off, especially uh, Brunson. And one thing I could say about Jalen was in his interview post-game, and he was really humble, man. He said, man, he said, this one is on me. He said, I really, really uh, did not perform in those moments when he needed, he needed to. And that he said, man, next game I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be better. And uh, he realized that he, you know, it threw him off. He wasn't ready for that moment. Um, but I think that he'll be uh, prepared um, tonight. And um, it looks like uh, Jimmy Bucket is not playing. It looks like he's in street clothes. Um, and uh, uh, this series, man, I, you know, I picked New York to win this series, and I'm going to stick with New York. Um uh, this is just going to be one of those series where they're just going to go back and forth at each other. And it's, it's, it's a chess match, you know, who can make the adjustments the, the fastest and actually capitalize on every mismatch that's out there being cerebral, just like picking up on, you know, the mismatches, uh, going to the guy who's hot, who's got it going, ride his shoulder and stay with him. You know, just find ways, man, to just win the game and uh, staying away from turning the ball over. You know, minimize the turnover ratios is going to be key in getting stops. You know, you got to play defense. And, you know, I believe that this series is definitely one of the physical series because these guys, they will get really physical. Um, man, they were showing flashbacks of the uh, Knicks and Heat in the 80s, man. I mean, frogs. <laughs> Guys on the floor. I mean, they out there just throwing halos, mourning, and Van Gundy under there trying to hold his ankles, trying to get, get him out of there. But uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, this, this is definitely a uh, this is a definitely a, a must see must see series must see series. Okay, all right. Uh, I want to stay right with you, Tony, because uh, Harding uh, almost got the Celtics coach fired off of just one uh, playoff game. Uh, and, and and that's terrible because that's, he's a fellow Mountaineer. But anyway, uh, Harding's play last night. Yes, yes, he uh, he definitely led the pack. He was outstanding, uh, dropping forty five on the road, stepping up and hitting big shots, um, and just you know showing that uh, that old Houston uh, James Harden you know, being able to score the ball. And I think he has to do that more often. He has to just, like, just play freely and, you know, not – he's been trying to be a facilitator and trying to be the assist guy um, and not really look for shots first the way he used to. 
and I think in this situation, he's going to have to do that more. Um, I, I really like them. Now, I miss not seeing, you know, the big fella out there and be. Um, and, of course, he's the most dominant big man, in my opinion, uh, right now. But watching the Sixers team play without him, I thought that they really moved the ball better. Everyone's getting filled and touches. They're playing small ball. They're able to run the floor a little bit faster or play at a higher a higher pace. I actually kind of like I like uh, the pace that they were able to play. And uh, man, we we saw something man uh, last night that uh, only probably a few of us on this line probably remember is the old Georgetown game against North Carolina in the championship when Freddie Brown gave James Worthy that pass. That's yeah. what uh, happened last night. Maxie, <laughs> they gave Maxie, you know, that pass. Man, he went down for it. I said, what? You know, then that was like, that was it right there. They just went on a little roll there and just closed the game out and beat them, on, you know, on the Boston floor for a huge game one win on the road without uh, the top, you know, score in the league and MVP candidate. That was a huge, huge win. Um, okay. I'm going to- I'm gonna go with Philly, man, for this for this series, and uh, it's going to be a tough one. Um, and uh, they they're going to ground it. They're going to ground it out. Tommy, you, you hear what uh, Tony's assessment was, and uh, what was your thing? Uh, are they they look? I don't know if they're better with or without Embiid. Your thoughts? Well, with Embiid being there, you know the Celtics got to make some adjustments. You know, uh, and Harden had a fantastic game, man. He was unbelievable. He was unbelievable. But the Celtics, they missed a big opportunity to win that game without Embiid, man. And from what, you know, from what I heard, Embiid may be out longer than expected. Uh, With him out, I don't think Philly can beat the Celtics. uh, The Celtics were in shock last night. They were in shock that they lost this game. And, you know, turnovers is what hurt them. Um, But I still figure that the Celtics will win this series. Uh, I don't know if Harden can come out each night and produce the way he he did, not unless the others pick it up a little bit. But I don't think that he can come out and give them that kind of production every night. So I'm, okay. I'm picking the Celtics to win this series. Okay, uh, I'm gonna jump over here to Will. Will, uh, Arden again. You know, he, he looked like he was, uh, playing, like Tony said, looked like he was playing for Houston. Yeah, this is the Harden we're used to seeing, especially you know. I mean, sometimes in the playoffs he tends to have be inconsistent, but man, if he can. Um, continue to play at this level with uh, MB playing the uh, way he is. I think I just saw he was voted MVP. But they can continue to play at that level throughout the playoffs. I mean, they'll be a threat to anybody, especially with um, the injuries to Miami and New York and then uh, Boston struggling. So, um, yeah, so good to see the Sixers be able to finally look like they've put it all together. Okay. Uh, Lyre. Yeah, you know what, um, and Tommy, you know, hit on some of this. This is, and, and, and it looks like it's obviously they play faster. 
um, and Maxie, you know, who hadn't been playing great through the playoffs, uh, always starts that. And if you notice during the game, uh, when Maxie comes in, the pace picks up. And, and, and Harden was able to follow that. Um, and, and he didn't have to, you know, worry about getting the ball to the big man. Um, I think they're a little more dominant, and it's a different style when Embiid is there. Uh, but with Embiid not there, and by the way, Boston only was two and two against Miami, um, so they're built to play against Giannis and Embiid, Milwaukee and Boston. Uh, small ball like we played, Philly played yesterday, and like Miami plays, and it's a it's a toss up, you know, two and two throughout the season. Um, if you watch the game, Boston could have won. It could have easily won that game. So it wasn't like Boston played bad. Uh, this was a really evenly well, uh, I mean, evenly matched uh, uh, game. And Philly, you know, played it, it, down in that fourth quarter, played some extremely good D. The rotations, you know, on that last, on that turnover, uh, again, we're going to go back to the Georgetown game. On that turnover, they were confused. You know, it was the automatic, automatic, automatic switching and turnover. And if, and I think Maxie may have even said this, and in in, in we saw this, Maxie almost picked up the ball and caused the turnover. Uh, so he, he, he almost picked the ball up, and he puts it in the basket, and there was no call. So this was a one- or two-possession game. Again, I, I, I go back to a 50-50. Um, I'll take my chances with the big man there. Um, and hopefully this is the impetus. This game's kind of the impetus to let Harden know. And I know we talked about this earlier, you know, in the season. Um, that's the Harden you need. I don't need the, the Harden to look for, you know, to get those open baskets and assists. I know his numbers are pretty decent this year, uh, but Harden would not take big shots. You know, last night was the best game that he's had since he's been a sixer, where he was just sitting there and he was able to take a big shot. And it went back to his Houston days. So um, I, it, this will be evenly matched. I have the Sixers probably in seven, maybe even six after this, uh, depending on, if and this may actually give uh, Embiid another uh, game out because I thought it was 50-50 and he comes back. Um, so seven-game series, I still got Philly winning it. Small ball, and I think that really helps the Philadelphia bench. Um, their bench seems to be a little um, a little stronger than the Celtics right now. So I think that's what we'll pull it out, along with Harden starting to uh, look at the basket a little more. Okay, I'm going to stay with you. Uh, I'm going to stay right with you. Hey, Dave, can I just say one quick thing? They just made the announcement. Joel Embiid wins the MVP. They just made the announcement. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they had showed that. Yeah. Okay. Appreciate it, Tony. Yeah. I want to stay with uh, Larry because I want to know why Dwight Howard, DeMarcus Cousins, Camilla Anthony, why weren't they picked up by somebody? Oh, goodness gracious. This, we have this conversation on on 28 different platforms, <laughs> and, and they're all the same answer because you don't see this. So, you know, if, if, we're, if we're being honest, these are all black players. These are all very strong alpha males um, who still have game left, by the way. Um, and this is a different league right now. Um, the type of ball that we're talking about, the type of – uh, relationships that they have with the refs right now, I think it's probably a little outdated for what the league is trying to do. Um, 
Carmelo can still, you know, come up. Carmelo can still come off the bench right now and, and, and drop 15 to 18 points. You know, I don't know how Bulls should be the backup for the Sixers because they don't have anybody but Reed. So um, this is not about athleticism. Um, I don't even think this is about the locker room because most of these guys don't have locker room issues. Um, I think this is about the optics of what the league is trying to move on from. And they are casual. These are some of the first casualties of it. And it's, and it's sad to see, but again, this is a, you know, a billion dollar business and like the NFL, the NBA will dictate what direction it, it, it heads into. Okay. Uh, let me jump right to you, uh, Tony. Your thoughts on the three um, look the three young men that I mentioned. Um, uh, you know, I'll start with Dave with uh, Dwight Howard. Um, the one of the biggest reasons why Dwight Howard is not on somebody's roster is because, you know, at age thirty-seven, um, he did not want to take a coming off the bench type role. That's one of the main reasons. So he was almost like, look, if that's the role that you guys are offering me, I don't want it. So he ends up going over to Taiwan, playing over there, and I don't think things worked out too well over there in Taiwan. Um, well, look- well, Tony, Tony, he was shooting threes over there. Yeah, right, 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 right. You're right. You're exactly right. He was shooting threes. He was crushing them over there. I think they had some kind of big brawl. Uh, at one of the games, I mean, everybody in the in the arena was fighting, man. It was it was crazy. So, uh, I think that's maybe one of the reasons. I don't know if he's still over there or he got out of there or not, but I know there was a big big fight um, over there while he was in Taiwan at one of the games. Uh, but that was the thing that I kept hearing him say that he did not want to take on. He didn't want to be on no bench, you know, coming off, being a guy coming in the reserve, you know, a couple of minutes in the game or whatever. He wanted to be like an integral part. He could probably start or be a six-man six or get like, you know, he wanted to get significant minutes on a team. And no one was willing to offer him that kind of role. So he he, did not, he turned them down. And then, you know, with DeMarcus Cousins, you know, he, he kept getting injured. You know, every time you turn around, Boogie was uh, getting hurt, uh, having major surgeries. Uh, then, then it was always a, uh, you know, a conflict, you know, with him, with the officials, and you know, technical fouls, and you know, then he was getting calls on him all the time, and he was just, you know, it was just one of those kinds of things that turned off a lot of teams. They said, "Look, man, we don't want to deal with the Boogie." You know, nonsense. It's almost like a Dylan Brooks where all this controversy keep coming from the, from a guy who, you know, is being out here on the floor all the time when we need him because he's always getting hurt. Um, and then with um, Carmelo, I don't know. I, I guess it's maybe a blessing in disguise for Carmelo because, you know, him not getting picked up, you know, by a team, he had a chance all this year to just spend time with his son. His son is a phenomenal player. So he's been there actually being a dad, an on-the-spot present dad, you know, at those games, traveling with him and stuff like that, teaching him and getting him for the next level. So he says that's been something that's been really uh, a blessing in disguise for him that he didn't get picked up by somebody. And he, he's, had, he's, he's had an opportunity to be a present dad. 
So okay, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Tommy, your thoughts on those three? You know, to me, two of these guys uh, that's mentioned may be Hall of Famers in the future. Yeah, um, I'll tell you two of them. <laughs> hey, one of them I don't think will be, but I think two of them will be. But you know what? Some of the high personnel feel that it's personal why these guys are not playing uh, in the NBA right now. Some feel that they don't have the skill set to play in today's game. You know what? I feel that these teams rather would gamble on the younger players and develop the players they have rather than to go back and get these guys. Um, you know, Camelo, to me, doesn't play any defense. Um, I don't know why they why they're not picked to play in today's game, but uh, a lot of people feel that you know they they just don't fit in with today's game. Okay, yeah. All right, Will, what's your thoughts? I think it's a couple of factors here. One, I just think teams like to uh, go younger and build through the draft. Uh, I think guys like uh, Carmelo in particular, you know, they're ball dominant. You know, he's known for his uh, offensive game. So, you know, he's controlling he needs the ball in his hands. He's a scorer. He's one of the best scorers we've seen in a long time. So I think that's part of that problem. Uh, Dwight Howard, I just think we're seeing the need for everyone wants to stretch big now that can pull out and uh, shoot threes. So, I mean, uh, I guess that part of his game never evolved. I just think teams just don't have a need for what he brings to the table anymore. Uh, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, after that injury, I just feel like he never really got back to where he was. It looks like I remember he, uh, there was one time where he turned down a contract with, I think it was the Pelicans, and then ended up getting hurt. And then he just never was able to get back to his all-star form. Uh, I thought he would have a much longer career than he did, but I just, you know, he's probably just another guy that's uh, suffering from other teams wanting to go younger and build through the draft. Okay. Uh, uh, stay with you, Will. I'll, uh, everybody's got 30 seconds on this, and uh, – you don't have to expand on it, but who is the best center who has played in the NBA, past or present? I guess I got to go with uh, – I wasn't alive to see him play, but I go with uh, Wilt Chamberlain just based off the numbers he was able to put up during his era and as dominant as he was able to be. Okay. Tony Coleman. Um, I, I would be real quick. I thought we had uh, answered this question before, but I know I had uh, – Will, um, Bill Russell, and um, uh, uh, who was my third guy? It was um, Kareem. I said, you know, I, I couldn't, I couldn't give one over the other because of different reasons and categories of their just awesome, awesomeness, man, of uh, being just men, men as well as super, super athletes. I still have those three as my top. Top of all time. One, okay. one, A, B, and C. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, Tommy. Hey, you know what? There's a lot of good centers, man. 
I remember seeing Chamberlain uh, playing against Nate Thurman. I used to I used to like to watch them play because it was so physical. Those guys were very strong, man. Uh, you got Kareem, Bill Russell, and Shaquille. Those are my four with Chamberlain. But to me, the best center that ever played the game is Wilk Chamberlain. Okay. All right, Larry, take us home with this, Larry. What you got for us? Yeah, listen, I don't believe that this guy gets enough credit for being as bright as he was. And it was because of his stance on a lot of things. But, you know, Will Chamberlain was one of the brightest, smartest, most athletic centers that we had and ushered in. You know, he was playing with Mike, and he ushered in the new uh, the, 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 the new generation of what athletes would look like. Um, he was the most dominant, and I know they said, you know, depending on, you know, who he was playing against, but he was still playing against four at a time, you know, and changing rules on his behalf. So I've got him uh, changing the game. Uh, I loved his mindset, again, as bright as there was. And I love the fact, you know, that behind scenes, like, you know, Ali and Frazier were friends that he and uh, Russell were friends. So I was happy to see that. So I got Will Chamberlain as the, the, the okay. best of all time. All right, Princess, take us out, Princess. Will Harris, Tony Coleman, Tommy Pritchard, and even Larry Tisdale. Thank you for being with <laughs> us tonight. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you all. Duck Raleigh, will I see you any, the rest of the week, Thursday? No, we're 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 finished till next week. I, I'm giving you a break, Princess. You need a, you need a break. <laughs> All right, Duck. I'm gonna miss you, gentlemen. Have a great week. Be good, family. All right, I'm gonna get out of the way here for Sports Talk Thank Atlanta you. with Travis McGee and Jamel Johnson. Take care, guys. Give me the robot, Duck. Give me the robot.